Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we talk about the transfer market, and in particular, the huge fees being paid for top players in Europe. And we'll contrast that with the very low fees that are paid for players in most African countries. Can these high amounts in Europe be sustained? We hear the thoughts of fans in Kenya. I think this business of transfer, it's dangerous for the club because club loses a lot of money. Plus your views on the expanded Africa Cup of Nations and as two fans died in a stadium disaster in South Africa last weekend, we get reaction from Solomon in Johannesburg. People involved are, are really disappointed. Football fans are disappointed and it's really going to affect the, the Premier Soccer League brand. That's coming up later. So today we focus on the transfer market and in particular the astronomical fees being paid for top players in Europe and we'll compare that with the extremely low fees that are paid in most African countries. There's still all of August to go before the European transfer window closes, so there'll be a lot more movement to come, but Neymar's world record move from Barcelona to Paris Saint-Germain is certainly the standout move of this window. So far, the biggest African signing is Mohamed Salah, the Egypt winger who's moved from Roma in Italy to Liverpool for around $40 million. He's settled well, scoring in pre-season midweek and last weekend. Nigeria's Kelechi Iheanacho has gone from Manchester City to Leicester for $33 million. And picking out a couple of other Nigerians, uh, Victor Anichebe has gone from Sunderland to Beijing Enterprises in China on a free transfer, but certainly he'll get a good salary there. And William Troost Ekong, a player we've talked to on the show before, has moved from Ghent in Belgium to Bursaspor in Turkey for an undisclosed fee. Now, this transfer window has seen staggering sums paid for some players, including Romelu Lukaku, a huge signing for Manchester United, moving for $97 million from Everton. Alvaro Morata joined Chelsea from Real Madrid for a club record of around $78 million. Arsenal broke their club record for France striker Alexandre Lacazette from Lyon for around $61 million. And Emmanuel Matic went to Man United from Chelsea for $52 million. Now, Stuart, many experts are saying that while these players are good, they don't merit such huge transfer figures. So has the transfer market got out of hand in this window? Well, just let's look at the context, Steve. You know, the recent TV contract with the Premier League was for $6.5 billion over three years. And that is $13 million per game. So the next time you watch a game on television, just remember that someone has paid $13 million so you can see it. And now that money is distributed among the clubs. Minimum in the Premier League, $130 million for the season. The highest, $185 million. And just to to explain how that's distributed, every club gets $109 million. Then according to the league position, between 2 and $50 million. Sunderland bottom, 
got two million. Chelsea champions got 50 million. And then you get additional money for the number of times you are shown on television. Chelsea, Manchester United, Manchester City got $39 million, Hull 17. And I haven't mentioned tickets, merchandise or sponsorship. And, you know, Manchester United are sponsored by Adidas, Aon, Chevrolet, 20th Century Fox, Aeroflot. I could go on. The Adidas contract was $975 million over a number of years. So that is the context. That is the kind of money there is in the Premier League at the moment. And that is why players are costing so much. The clubs have the money. The seller knows that. And, you know, you can be pretty sure that the only reason a club is paying that amount of money for a player is because they think uh, he will help them to win trophies, help them to stay in the premiership or whatever. And it's supply and demand. You know, is Romelu Lukaku worth $97 million? Well, how do you just answer that question? Manchester United want a striker. He has a proven goal-scoring record. 20 goals in each of the last three seasons for the Premiership. Everton don't want to sell him. Manchester United are a very rich club. So the price just goes up and up until Everton think, well, at that price, we'd better take the money because we can do something with it. So uh, I think it's a simple economics of football at the moment. The Premier League has got so much money and uh, there are so few top players available for clubs to buy. So I think it's inevitable that the prices will reach these levels. Okay, so there's a lot of money coming into the clubs and they know that continued success will bring more money. Um, Certainly that makes sense. But Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger said last weekend that this is simply not sustainable and that we're likely to revert to a situation where players see out their entire contracts rather than make more costly moves when players have running contracts with their clubs. Would you agree that uh, this is not sustainable, Stuart? Well, I, I'm not convinced that Arsene Wenger has got this right. I mean, Arsene Wenger, of course, has always been a manager who has been reluctant to splash out large sums of money. And arguably, Arsenal do not have the money available that Manchester United, Manchester City or Chelsea have had. And, you know, I just mentioned the generated income through television, through sponsorship. And, of course, when you talk about clubs like Manchester City and Chelsea, they have got extremely rich owners. And those owners want success and they're prepared to put money into it. So I cannot see any reason why the big clubs will not continue to spend big on players. I think what you could say is it probably means that there is going to be a top four, a top six or something like that which will really go further away from the others. And, you know, a mid-table team like West Brom or Crystal Palace or someone like that simply will not be able to compete because they cannot generate the revenue that a Manchester United, Manchester City or Chelsea can. So I think the gulf will grow. But among the top clubs, I think that this will run and run. Right. And Stuart, we have decent African players being sold in Europe for sums of maybe a million dollars or so. Zimbabwe's marvellous Nakamba moved from Vitesse in the Netherlands to Club Bruges in Belgium for a million euros. Uh, But then you have Mohamed Salah joining Liverpool for 40 million dollars. So are these top players worth these huge sums? 
Well, I mean, I think the reason for the difference in those fees is not necessarily the ability of the player or not solely the ability of the player, supply and demand and the the clubs. You know, the Dutch and the Belgian leagues do not have anything like the money that's going around in the Premiership. They don't have TV contracts worth anything like that. They don't have the merchandise sales around the world. And therefore, they don't have the money. So therefore, the the fees between clubs are going to be less. Now, I I said on this program a couple of weeks ago that I thought that Mohamed Salah is a really interesting case because, of course, he was at Chelsea and, frankly, he couldn't get in the team. So he's done well in Italy. But $40 million to me is an awful lot of money for somebody who's had a go at the Premiership and not really cut it. So um, I may in a few months' time, be on this programme eating humble pie, saying I got it wrong and that Mohamed Salah is the best player ever to play in the Premiership. But equally, at the moment, he may find that he struggles to get a regular place in the Liverpool side and to be a, a really outstanding player. Yes, and we'll see how Salah does when the league kicks off next Friday. Thanks, Stuart. Well, let's get the views of football fans in Kenya. Planet Sport Football Africa's Josfat Kiyoko is in Mombasa and he asks fans what they think about the sky-high transfer fees in Europe and how they compare to the low transfer fees in Africa. My name is Kennedy Oziambo. I was a Kenya footballer. I was playing in the entire league. In regard to these transfer fees, was this transfer fees worth? But uh, Or maybe the transfer fee of uh, Gareth Bale from Tottenham to Real Madrid. That was worth because indeed we we saw Gareth Bale performing. What is the ideal situation in Kenya? You as a retired footballer. In regard to Kenya, there are a lot of challenges. Uh, Mostly when you start in football. You have to go to work. You leave work at around maybe three. Then you go and train. You don't compose yourself to to football. The payment we have, the footballers are, are getting. It's very meager because I, I think the highest now uh, paid footballer is around 200,000 shillings in Kenya. They, they've become poor. High fees in Europe. I don't think it can affect the, the future football in the world because the club has to spend if it has that, that, that amount of cash. But if you don't have that amount of cash, then there are other players who are more, more, more cheaper. I'm not a fan of uh, Arsenal, but I can comment a little bit about uh, Asan Wenger. Okay, you usually see talent in young players teach them how to play football, good football, without spending much money. Probably because football is now a game of business. So probably after these young players grow up, they mature enough in football. And you see when a player leaves Arsenal, the transfer fees which he he was brought with is very much different. The club is earning a lot of money. My name is Beatrice and I'm a Manchester United fan. I think this business of transfer it's dangerous for the club because club loses a lot of money, yet they are not sure that the player will make it to the standards. Manchester United is one of them. Sometimes they lose, sometimes they make profit. For example, people like Lukaku and Murata, their clubs used a lot of money for transfer. And yet, maybe they might not win the league of that country. My name is Ben. If we speak of high transfer fee concerning the situation that is there, we get that uh, bigger clubs who has cash, always they do go for a good player. And when you go for a good player, let's say from a small club, for you to get that player, maybe it's the player that they're depending on, they won't give you just easy as such. Since they know that you're a big 
a big club, they'll just have to give you a high price for him. And since you are in admire of him for that position and don't have that position of a player in your club, automatically you just have to cough because he's the player that you're in need of. You cough cash, you get him. So life keep on changing. Manchester United bought Pogba just of late. They bought him at a very high fee and uh, they shall be buying players according to transfer fee and according to how life is going on and according to the demand of the player. But the transfer fee will keep on going and going and going. So money in terms of football right now, it is power. The views of football fans in Mombasa, Kenya, speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Josfat Kiyoko. Well, this week on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, we're looking at the transfer market as the sums being paid in Europe have gone simply crazy in this current transfer window with Neymar's staggering world record fee. But while Romelu Lukaku joined Manchester United for $97 million in another huge move, transfers in Africa are very low by comparison. Here in Zimbabwe, a top player might be sold for around $10,000 or so. If they move from Zimbabwe to another African country, maybe you're talking of $20,000 to $50,000, depending which country it is. Uh, some go to South Africa for over $100,000. And even those who go to smaller European countries like Denmark, Belgium or Sweden might move for only around $50,000 to $70,000 or so. Uh, those are just rough, approximate figures, but to Solomon, it hurts when you compare it to the amounts that players in Europe move for. Steve, definitely it hurts so much anytime you compare the sort of figure that we see when players transfer from one club to another within the African continent or within a country. Uh, for a figure of between 50000 to $70,000, definitely that is something very meager and that's something very uh, little. And I mean, you can only get those sort of figures actually in, in certain countries. You could get that in Nigeria. Uh, you could get that in Egypt, maybe uh, more than that. You could get 100,000, 500,000 US dollars, a million dollars. In South Africa, you could get that kind of figure also. But if you go to certain countries like Lesotho, Swaziland, Togo, Burkina Faso, you, you're never really going to get to, to see that kind of figures. And when we're talking about $50,000. That's basically the wage of a uh, EPL uh, player. You know, they end that in in, in a week. Uh, quite a lot of them, actually. So when we when you compare that, you ask yourself, what's the question? Is just a question of uh, sponsorship, or is it a case of not using m the money the right way? So we really have to look at that. So we could get the corporate. Uh, companies to invest more and we could also build a big brand where the league would be attractive and players will be attractive it's not a question of uh, players not having talent we have quite a lot of players with with lots and lots of talent so we're not talking about you know doubting the talents of of african players sure and uh, painful to see how little most of these talented players are paid in africa and as I mentioned, even those who go to smaller European countries like Denmark, Belgium or Sweden might move for around $50,000 to $70,000 or so. Uh, Stuart pointed out the factor of market value in transfers. Uh, that all made a lot of sense. But are some of these players being exploited, Solomon? Some of them are definitely being exploited. They are promised uh, so much and uh, because they're eager to move to Europe where they could showcase their talent. They move to countries like Denmark, Belgium, uh, Poland, Sweden, Norway. 
and and they get paid so little and a lot of them actually get to sign contracts without really knowing what is in that contract they don't really have the right uh, legal representation the right manager and some of the managers and agents are, are cheats so they bring them to europe and and totally deceive them some of these players are very young players though very talented but they get to sign a long-term contract, a five, seven-year contract without really knowing what the implications are. And sometimes also, you know, you because of the desperation of African players to move to, to, to Europe, uh, certain nations, you know, and certain clubs now don't pay them a lot. They they price them for, for a very cheap rate and they pay them very little money. And we've seen quite a lot of that. And, and somehow you have to blame the players somehow sometimes or the clubs their local clubs in Africa, they just want to get rid of them and get some part of the sign-on fee, and that's that's enough for them. And the players sometimes they're eager to move to Europe. They don't want to. They don't care if they move to Norway or Denmark, as long as it's Europe, just so they could start in a smaller league, showcase their talent, and get some sort of attention from the league in Spain, France, or, or Germany. And uh, we've seen quite a lot of that. But I think the market value of a lot of these players are, are far higher than that. But different factors do contribute to uh, what we see and what we hear about. You know, a very low market value. Well, thanks, Solomon. Uh, This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, uh, Solomon gives us reaction from Johannesburg on the stadium disaster last weekend uh, where two fans died. Well, you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Then you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programmes too in our archive. Also, you can listen to the show on our website, that's planetsportfootballafrica.com, and our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. Well, now we turn to social media, and last week on the show we talked about the Africa Cup of Nations, as key decisions were made recently by the Confederation of African Football. These include expanding the tournament from 16 teams to 24, starting from the next edition in 2019. Well, some say that this will dilute the quality of the football. On the other hand, uh, the bigger tournament will give more teams a chance to qualify. So we asked, what do you think about the expanded tournament? On Facebook first, an Isaiah Oche Oyibo in Nigeria says, Yes, I'm totally in support because our continent has 54 countries and up to now only 16 have played at each edition of the tournament. Also, moving the tournament to June and July will enable our foreign-based players to play without being intimidated by their clubs. Sylvester Simon, also in Nigeria, says it's all about participation, not just about winning the cup. So if we're to develop African football faster, this is one of the ways to do it. And I welcome it, says Sylvester. To the Gambia now, and Musa Ndo says, yes, I'm in favour of this, so that smaller teams like the Gambia will have a better chance to qualify. King Tun Nandola in Malawi agrees with the expanded format, saying I'm in favour of it since more nations will be participating, thereby making it more attractive and popular, says King Tun. To What's Up Now, and Ansamana Kale in The Gambia says the increase to 24 participants is a welcome development as it paves the way for Africa to enhance and realise more of its potential. A lot of talent will be on show, and with more teams participating, more and more players will break into the market and benefit from that. Africa is the future, says Ansumana. 
Modu GJ Kali, also in the Gambia, agrees, saying this is a great move by CAF. This could make my country, the Gambia, qualify for the first time. Thanks to CAF, says Modu. Abdullah Bar also sees opportunities for his country, Sierra Leone. For me, I support the idea, says Abdullah. We've been on the sidelines of the Africa Cup of Nations since 1996. And Ibrahim Javi, also in Sierra Leone, agrees, saying I'm in favour 100% because my darling Leone stars will make it this time. We always welcome your voice notes on WhatsApp. Here's Sambu One in the Gambia with his views. I strongly agree on the vision of CAF. It is long overdue so that a country like the Gambia will have the opportunity for the first time to make their debut in the Nations Cup. If not, I don't see any chance of Gambia being there, though there is no small country as far as football is concerned. But as far as the Gambia is concerned, and with the team caliber of, that we are having now football, we are still a small nation as far as football is concerned. So with this, I think it can create something for us. Thanks to Sambu One for that. Mohamed Bar in the Gambia sees several benefits from the expanded competition. I'm totally in support of CAF's decision to expand the number of countries, says Mohamed. It gives an opportunity for countries like the Gambia to make their maiden appearance at the finals. It also helps to create more competition among teams on the continent and exposes their players to the Nations Cup so that they can be scouted by agents from Europe. Uh, thanks for those views, Mohamed. Albert Kadzombe in Malawi agrees, uh, saying that expanding the Nations Cup will benefit these smaller nations, saying as some small teams haven't participated in the tournament before, it will give them a good chance to make it this time. Yusufa Silla in the Gambia is looking forward to a bigger feast of football. For me, it will be great to see 24 teams so that other smaller teams can enjoy the beauty of football and young players can have a chance to sell their names, says Yusufa. Ugis Sis, also in the Gambia, thinks it's a good move too, while John in Ghana has question marks, especially about the prize money for the expanded tournament. I would only support this if the prize tag is being increased because the price tag on this afcon is too small and then that's why most teams don't have quality players coming in nowadays so it needs to be hosted here in africa and also increase the price tag on the winner well, thanks there to John in Ghana. And just to point out that there was, in fact, a large increase in prize money for this year's Africa Cup of Nations. Winners Cameroon got $4 million, up from the $1.5 million in prize money that Ivory Coast got in the previous edition in 2015. And a final thought on this from Amadou Tamba in the Gambia, who's looking forward to an expanded Nations Cup. He says, I love seeing the minnows upsetting the bigger teams, and why not? We'll have another Iceland in Africa. Amadou referring there to Iceland's amazing run in Euro 2016. Thanks for all of those comments and views. This week on social media, we're asking, who do you think will win the English Premier League title? As the new English Premier League season kicks off on the 11th of August. So who are you predicting to win it this time? Go onto our Facebook page. That's a Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Who do you think will win the English Premier League this season? Well, as we look forward to the new season, uh, Stuart, there's uh, been a crackdown on players diving. 
the FA have announced that there will now be retrospective bans for players who are found to have dived. You know, this had been a real bone of contention when players dive and deceive the referee, either to win a penalty or indeed to get an opponent sent off. Now, these can be reviewed after the game by a panel of three, a former manager, a former player and a former referee. And if they feel that the player has dived, uh, simulation, whatever phrase you use, he can be given a two-match ban. And if it's the second time it's happened, a three-match ban. It'll be interesting to see how that is used and what effect it has. Well, sounds good to me. And uh, Stuart, we talked about transfers earlier on. Uh, You've looked at some transfers that didn't work out in England. Uh, Steve, I just came across someone's idea of the 11 worst signings ever in the Premier League. And it just amused me a little bit. There were um, two Africans on the list, Eric Jemba Jemba of Manchester United. You know, he signed for Manchester United to replace Roy Keane, but only got 13 starts. He was equally unsuccessful at Aston Villa and Burnley, and then finished his career in Denmark, Israel, Serbia, Scotland, and even India. So the Cameroon player has the unfortunate distinction of being among the worst ever signings. And there was another even more fascinating African, somebody who turned up at Southampton claiming to be George Weah's cousin. And uh, his name was Ali Dia. Southampton signed him, but he was quickly shown up not to have anything like the talent of his illustrious cousin. And uh, he was given his marching orders. And just to mention two of the other players people may have heard of on the list of terrible buys, both at Manchester United, Massimo Taibi, the goalkeeper who came in to replace Peter Schmeichel and famously let the ball roll between his legs from a not very hard shot and was dispatched back to Italy pretty quickly. And Baby, the Portuguese player that Alex Ferguson signed never having seen him play. And he probably regretted it because after two premiership appearances, he was sent on loan never to be seen again. Well, thanks, Stuart. Certainly didn't work out for those players, did it? So the English Premier League just around the corner and Arsenal play Chelsea in the Community Shield this Sunday. Well, finally this week, let's go back to a topic that we discussed two weeks ago on the show, uh, that of stadium disasters, Uh, because sadly last weekend two fans died and 17 were injured in South Africa at a pre-season cup contest between the country's two biggest teams, Kaiser Chiefs and Orlando Pirates, at the FNB Stadium in Soweto in Johannesburg. This happened in a crush outside the stadium. A stampede is thought to have been caused by people trying to sell or show fake tickets at a gate. Well, Solomon is there in Johannesburg. Uh, Two weeks ago, Solomon, you were explaining how professional the setup is in South Africa. So this really is quite shocking. It's really so sad. And and the same factors that we we spoke about the last time, you know, factors from... Uh, ticketing not done right and, and fake ticket uh, sellers all around and, and fans trying to push their way into the stadium and security not really tight and beefed up for such an occasion. Uh, when you have two teams like Kaiser Chiefs and Orlando Paris playing, you're talking about a, a huge crowd. You're never going to get less than 60,000 crowd. It's really sad to see the way the, the whole stadium from the outside was, was, was smashed down. Fences were, were whipped down and 
whole stampede all over. It's sad because you would expect that, you know, after what happened in Ellis Park, that this would never really happen in South Africa again. Almost the same way it happened uh, the last time. Really sad. Yes, the Ellis Park tragedy we talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, that where 43 fans were crushed to death in 2001 uh, when the same two teams, Chiefs and Pirates, were playing and overcrowding at the stadium was the main factor. And uh, what's been the reaction to this latest tragedy there in South Africa? There's been a lot of reaction that has been uh, of sadness, of condolence, of also disappointment and also a sadness of the PSL, that is the Premier Soccer League, not taking responsibility and the South African Football Association also and setting up a, a team of investigators in conjunction with the Premier Soccer League of, of South Africa uh, because, uh, you know, fans are, are really disappointed. Parents of uh, some of the people involved are, are really disappointed. Football fans are disappointed, you know, and it's really going to affect the a Premier Soccer League brand is going to affect the brand of some of these club sites. You know, big brands are, are, are going to think twice before investing in them. Well, sad news. We'll see what the inquiry finds out about the stadium tragedy in South Africa. Well, that's it for the show for this week. But on Facebook and on WhatsApp, tell us who do you think will win the English Premier League as it's about to get underway. Go onto our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa, and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.